If the regular season ended today, the Ravens would be the sixth seed in the playoffs. Good! If the Ravens season ended today, they'd be going to New England to take on the Patriots. Good! Do you know that the first time in NFL history that a running back and a quarterback rushed for over 100 yards in the same game happened for the Ravens on Sunday? Good! Good! Willie Sneed, he argued with Marty Morningwing on the sidelines. That's really good! Good! (laughs) (laughs) And of course, PA announcer Bruce Cunningham announced that Kyle Bowler kicked a field goal for the Ravens on Sunday. Good! Way to go, Bruce. And and last but not least, Dean Johnson is not joining us today. Oh. Good! Great! I'm kidding. It's just good. No. We miss you, Dean. We love you. Welcome in to Primary Residential Mortgage Armchair Quarterback. I'm Tony Lombardi. This is Drew Forrester. We're without Dean today, who is, as they say, what, Drew? He's, on assignment. He's on assignment. He's on assignment. But before we Business go any- is going so great because of all of the marketing we've done for primary residential mortgage. Right, he's got sign- a meeting. His sign up here on the wall. He said, I got a meeting. I'm like, a meeting to do what? He said, sell mortgages. So we'll, see, how we'll, that see, works? we'll see you next week. Join us here, folks. This is, By the way, this is a bad table. Give me these. You got gone, Pitta, gone, Jacoby Jones, gone. Flacco. Like, uh, and you know what we'll else? put him right here. Look at Flacco's neck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, broken. Poor Joe. I took that. Let's put Pitta and Joe together because they got bad hips. And we, then put these two over there. My wife and I were taking oh, Joe with us on trips wherever we would go. The first trip we went on was our honeymoon in Cabo. I opened up the suitcase. He was decapitated. Poor Joe. <laughs> Hang in there, Joe, and enjoy your $130 million. And she used some Cabo glue to put it back together. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> it worked out pretty well. We used to have Cabo glue back in high school, but it was, a, <laughs> but it was totally different. Glen Burnie. Uh, we, we had a lot of wacky stuff back in Glen Burnie. So, folks, if you don't See really much, know what we're See how much better mood we are after the Ravens win? I got right? my playoff beard working. Oh, it's getting long. I told, you, I told you. I'm not. Actually, it's driving me crazy. But I'm going to keep it. I'm not shaving until the Ravens make the playoffs. You know, there may be some people out there that don't know what we're even talking about with this good thing, right? Right. So we're going to go to John Harbaugh right now and show you what this good thing is all about. Yeah! 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 That was a Ravens victory. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. But it was the Ravens! Because the Ravens fight. You know, I remember that that, uh, thing yesterday. What did it say? Good. 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 We lined up the wrong way on fourth down and one. Go! All right? Lamar scrambled around. Pick! Lamar scrambled around. Threw a pick. Go! We got down to the three-yard line. And I don't even know what the hell happened. Kick the field goal. Go! We got the ball at the nine-yard line. Oh, two minutes! Two minutes, they get a third-down conversion. Got the ball in scoring range. We got them backed up to the nine-yard line to win the game. The tight end runs a little shake round. Throw comes down with a spectacular catch. Good. What else? Give me something else. 
We do need a game ball. We got to get a game ball for the rookie. 268 yards rushing. You are Phil at number 29 when the game's on the line. All right, so let's start off with our veteran running back, uh, Alex Collins. All right, Alex Collins, give the whole backfield. Alex Collins, where you at? I don't know how many yards you've got, but you ran your ass off. Great job. For the rookie running back, number 30. Oh, you got front? Yeah. Yeah. And finally, for the quarterback on his first ever start, Lamar Jackson, you are 1-0 in the National Football As you can see, John was pretty fired up. He was fired up Monday at the press conference for sure. Uh, that's this this past Monday. Yeah, yes, that's about as testy as I've seen him get. And after some of the, a win, some of the things that he said, uh, you know, you people counted us out and we're not out. And he got mad at one of the Ravens staffers and said uh, these veiled questions. I'm offended by these veiled questions you throw at me. Um, and then, of course, the the post game uh, on uh, Sunday with this uh, video we just saw um, was John's way, I think, of saying to the players, "Like we're we're going to make these kind of mistakes, and we can still win." And there is really a lot of truth to that, right? This it's so um, it's it's so much the Ravens' personality, and you know this this is where John gets a little bit of heat. But it's so much the Ravens' personality to botch these things mm -hmm. that you would think would cost them the game, and yet somehow they come up smelling like a rose at the end. Now, since they won the Super Bowl, they've come up smelling like a rose 45 times and stinking like something else 45 times, right? So some would argue it hasn't been that effective. But this whole aura over the team of we're a, we're a blemished product, but we still figure out a way to win – is something that I think John is really going to, he is going to lean on that heavily over the last six games. We're, we're not perfect. We know it. We get it. And good. We're okay with it. Um, I would argue that I think that th from 35,000 feet, I would argue that mentality will haunt you. Like, the way they ran the clock at the end of the first half was completely high schoolish. Just like they did the game before against the Steelers at the end of the fourth quarter. Unbelievable that they botched that and still got a field goal out of it, right? More, maybe more of a testament to the Bengals not being any good on defense. Yeah. But still, again, that the way they mismanaged the clock at the end of the half didn't come back to haunt them. The way they mismanaged the fourth and one episode at midfield where um, – uh, Stanley lined up in a legal formation, and someone said to me on Sunday, who do you blame that on? You blame it on, on, on the player or you blame it on the coaching staff? I blame it on everyone. Right. That the there's not enough attention to detail to say, hey, guys, not for nothing here, but on this play, we can't line up in the wrong formation. This is maybe a game-changing moment. Um, and then the challenge that John threw out there that had there was zero way that was getting overturned. And, it, 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 and yet, good, <laughs> they still figure out a way to win. And I think it's just become their model. I, 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 you know, and I a, and a challenge for marginal benefit, too. Right. I don't like it. 
you might not like it, or there could be people watching right now who are pro-John or just who say, hey, this is the way they are, and it's okay. As long as they win, it's okay. That's what we do, right? We all have our own opinion. But this seems to be what he's going to lean on, which is no one thinks we can do it. We're blemished. We're the, you know, we're the, the kid no one wants to go to the dance with. And by golly, we're going to dress up and look good, and we're going to get asked to the dance. He, he just, he's, and he's really good at this, by the way. There can be a lot of debate about other things. I'm a John supporter. You know, if you made me check off John supporter, non-John supporter, I'm a John supporter by far. That doesn't mean I can't look at things that he does and say, gee, coach, really? Right. But this is his strength for sure. Us against them is definitely his strength. Well, if you look back, you mentioned 45 and 45 since Super Bowl 47. And if you look at those games and look at how he kept the team together, even when seasons were falling apart, you can never say that the Baltimore Ravens didn't play hard. They've always played hard. And play for him, right? right? Hey, I can remember standing in in the tunnel right by the locker room in D.C. and close my eyes and still remember it, and I can almost still hear it. There was a gigantic shouting match in the locker room after the Ravens lost that game in overtime, which effectively cost um, Cam, Cam, uh, Cam his job, the, which is weird because I think we scored 30 points in that game or something. It was kind of yeah. stupid, yeah. right? Whatever the final was. But um, I can remember standing in the tunnel with other media members and almost having this sort of squeamish feeling like, I don't think we should be hearing this. Um, a now departed, very vocal safety <clears throat> Um, yelling at Josh Bynes and saying some things to him that I probably would have elicited a fist fight in any other um, workplace, mm-hmm. right? But because it's an emotional game, it, it's just kind of part of it. You know, I yell at you, you yell at me, you tell me I suck, I tell you you suck, and then we get on the bus and, you know, we hug and we're okay. Um, this is what they went through in 2012. I'm certainly not saying that this team's going to the Super Bowl by any means. But a lot of these pieces look like that. Anyone remember Joe laying on the ground like this against Denver? I do. And if I would have looked over at you and said, hey, by the way, I saw the script. You're not going to believe what the hell happens. Right. The Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. It's a movie. Weeks. You would say, <laughs> yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, and this is what I think John operates on. And, and really, most coaches operate on this. You don't know what's going to happen. So let's go Give it our best. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, you know, you look at a couple of the hits in the L.A. Kansas City game that the quarterbacks took. If one of those two kids, knock on wood, because I don't wish this on anyone, if one of those two kids takes a bad hit in the last three weeks, sort of like what Derek Carr did two years ago, when the Raiders were maybe sort of kind of going to have home field advantage, yeah, they were, they were going to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. If one of these two, Mahomes or Goff, gets hurt, the, the, their whole season changes. Now, some people would say last year Wentz went down and Foles steadied them, and, and, and he did, but I think that was an outlier. So you, if you're Harbaugh, you keep saying to your players, you just never know what's going to happen. We finished 10-6, and six and we won the Super Bowl. So, uh, again, I'm not saying they're going, although I have bought my tickets in my hotel. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying they're going. You got a good price then. I'm saying, correct. I'm saying that if you're the coach, not the fans, who love to proclaim, it's over, we stink, we're not going anywhere. Who are they kidding? If you're the coach, you've got to keep grinding with these guys until that thing is next to your name that says eliminated from playoff competition. But getting back to your point about the attention to detail, on that particular play, it's, I believe it was fourth and one from the 49-yard line. There's three minutes and seven seconds to go in the game. They decide to go for it. Now, the formation, it wasn't like this was a bang-bang, hurry-up play. 
this was a set play. They took their time to the line of scrimmage. They called a timeout. Right. So <laughs> you, you, you've got all this going on, and you've got a, a young quarterback, but a quarterback should recognize that the formation is wrong. The left tackle should know that the formation is wrong. Ronnie Stanley's been in, in the league, what, now three years? Mm -hmm. He should know that. And certainly the offensive coordinator, the coach, should know that that's wrong. And they didn't see that. Mm -hmm. They end up getting first down. <laughs> then they cover it. You know, they, they said that the formation was incorrect. And I think if Ronnie Stanley announced himself as an eligible receiver, I think that's okay. Right, but he right, didn't right. Do that. right. And, and, and again, we look at it from our view and say there's no way that can happen and you can win the game. It's, right. like, it's like Monday night when McVeigh threw the ball at the end of the game. When all they had, to, when Kansas City had three timeouts and the Rams got the ball back, up by three points, and all they needed to do was try to chew up the clock. Give it to Gurley, get five yards. Kansas City calls a timeout. Give it to Gurley, get three yards. Kansas City calls a timeout. Give it to Gurley. If he gets three yards, the game's over. Right. If he gets one yard, then you got a decision to make. Either way, Kansas City's going to burn their last timeout. Instead, they throw the ball two times. They give the ball right back to Kansas City, and everyone says, "Well, this is the coaching gaff of the year." but it doesn't come back to haunt them somehow. It's weird. And this isn't the NFL we grew up on. This is a different NFL, because back in the day, you would never think to play. They, they would do it in our day when we grew up on the NFL. They would run it the way you just described it with Todd Gurley. And the Ravens would never go for it on fourth and one. Imagine the 2000 defense, having that defense, and you got Sam Cook punting from the 49-yard line. Right. right. You, you, mean, you don't bury those guys inside the 10-yard line, and game's over, right? Right. Well, when the, we were the games changed so much. Right, and when we were growing up back in the 40s, now, <laughs> now when we were growing up, um, the, the punters kicked the ball into the corner. Right, it was right. coffin corner. corner. Right. No one does that anymore. No. It's a complete lost art. And the, if you and I did when I was on the radio, I can remember asking John and Sam Cook both about, you know, why why do you eschew that, that you know that skill? And both of them said the same thing. Because now we just kick it straight up in the air, and the guys are so fast they can just get down there, and they're standing there when you catch the ball. And you know what? They're right. They're right. I mean, they, you know, he kicks it. Cook can. He's like a golfer. He can hit it 54 yards, 57 yards, 59 yards over the bunker and put spin on it. He can do the same thing with the football. So kicking it out of bounds in the old days was the skill. That Those days are long gone. There's a lot of things that are long gone. And sure. Joe Flacco may soon be long gone the way things are going. But Lamar I mean, Jackson, I, what was just, just your overall impression of the game from a fan perspective, the excitement? Watching it, what were, what were your, your overall vibes? Well, I wasn't that game? there. Uh, I will say that that I was not there. But from what I hear from a lot of people who were there, there was a palpable excitement about the game that felt different than some of the other games, mm -hmm. which is natural. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's really a shot at Joe. It's more of a compliment to fresh. Newness creates new. that, yeah. And excitement. He's the number one pick, right? And, and there is certainly, a, you know, there's a, um, a lightning rod effect with Joe for sure. He is, you know, there's no question. He is 50%, 50%. I don't know if that's the number but exactly, but you know what I mean. Half the people or a good portion of the people like him, a good portion of the people don't like him. One of our guys, Adam Bonacorsi, he had a, a great analogy. He said, the arguments for and against Flacco, when you look at the two sides and there's kind of no middle ground, it's almost like the Democratic and Republican Party. Very much so. It's very, just very, like there's no middle very ground. Very much so. Very much so. Um, and that's going great for our country, by the way. Um, <laughs> so um, the, the, 
the whole thing with Lamar was, I thought, personally watching it, I thought we got out of him about exactly what you thought you were going to get out of him. I wasn't any more impressed with him than I could have been or thought I'd be, and I wasn't any more disappointed in him. There, he did exactly what I thought he would do. He ran around a lot. He made things happen. He's obviously very fast. Um, when he had the opportunity to throw the ball from a set position, he was decent. When he had the opportunity to throw it on the run, not so much. Um, by the way, a lot of veteran quarterbacks in the league have the same profile. When they can set their feet and, and look at the field, they're terrific. When they have to run and make things happen, then their game changes a little bit. Um, I, I, you know, people all week and, you know, all weekend and all week have been saying to me, what do you think? What do you think about Lamar? What's going to happen? It's going to be a year. It's going to take a year for this to pan out. One game certainly doesn't mean anything. In fact, you could see over the course of the first half, the second half, the Bengals made some adjustments, pinched more guys up on the line of scrimmage, put them out a little wider to keep him from getting outside. So the Bengals made some adjustments right away that tempered his success a little Mm -hmm. in just 15 minutes so along the way and this is probably the probably the biggest point i would make about lamar the 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 time when when we see him adjust is when you're going to know if he's going to really be good he's going to have to adjust and here's the thing that's a great point here's here's really the most important thing i think the ravens and john probably won't like to hear this I think the Ravens are facing a significant change in their profile if he's going to be the quarterback. And I mean significant. Significant offensively. If they're going to give him the ball, because he's going to have to make some adjustments. He can't run around like this. He, He just can't do what he did Sunday 16 games a year. It doesn't work. But you can use part of it in your in your everyday routine, if you want to call it that, but he's going to have to make some adjustments for sure, and they're going to need to get some faster guards who can get out on the outside with him. Mm-hmm. They can't, and no disrespect to Yonda, who, you know, could be maybe outside chance of being a Hall of Famer someday. The, the profile of those players on the offensive line is going to have to change. They're going to have to get faster guys, maybe smaller guys, which don't necessarily fit all the time with, like, a Flacco. You need big guys for Joe because Joe likes to set up and throw it. You don't want small guys. You need big, strong. That's why Ronnie Stanley is a, is yeah. a and, and Brown are good picks. I'm not so sure those two in particular would be great for Stanley. I mean, for, for Lamar. So I think the Ravens have a significant challenge ahead of them. Not a, not a bad one. I just think that between now and next September, they have some real soul-searching to do about how they're going to configure this this offense. Are wide receivers going to want to come to Baltimore? That's a great question. Are veteran could, wide receivers going to want to come here? I don't think Crabtree with, comes to Baltimore today if Lamar Jackson is the quarterback. Right. Because he's a different style receiver. I think the style that fits Lamar, and that's the first question you have to ask yourself, or the Ravens do, is Lamar a guy we can build around? And if it is... I agree 100% of the things you're saying. The guards need to be quicker, get out into space. You have to have receivers, unlike Crabtree, guys that can make a catch and have some yak after, after the catch, those kind of players. So the whole dynamic of the team, and I think they need a, a speed back. Uh, there's, it's no secret why Gus Edwards, I was going to say Gus Johnson, mm-hmm. but Gus Edwards 
was the running back on, on Sunday against the Bengals because he's a north and south guy. Yeah, he's a completely a downhill. He reminds me a lot of Jamal. I know that's a very early comparison right. to make, but he reminds me a lot of Jamal. He doesn't have to have a huge hole to dart in there. And then, by the way, the first back linebacker that confronts him, he can run over that guy. Right. He's not nearly as thick as Jamal, but he's got the same sort of style. Funny, though, that when he first started last year with the Ravens, Alex Collins had the same sort of um, style. And something's happened to him. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if he's taken a couple of hits when he woke up on Monday morning and said, boy, I don't feel so good. I don't know what's happened. But he's his indecisive. style, very much so. His style's really changed. Um, but the veteran wide receiver thing, I think, is a very – and look, I'm not making a big deal out of what happened on Sunday because, again, it was one game. But it only took those two wide receivers 40 minutes to start getting pissed off, right, and right. confronting Marty – and to say, like, dude, you got to throw the ball at some point today. Come on, Sneed. And, you know, I look, it's Willie Sneed. I mean, and he was targeted eight marginal, times. He's still complaining. Right, he's a marginal guy. But when they got down into the end zone, or into the red zone, sorry, um, you, you could see that they were pretty much just saying to Lamar, get the snap and you figure it out. And the wide receivers want the ball, right? I mean, that's the one thing about those guys. They want to catch touchdowns. Well, you look at a guy like Crabtree who signed a three-year deal, but it's a three-year deal written in a way that they can get out in one year. So if Crabtree doesn't put up numbers, he's probably thinking, I'm going to move again. And that's mm-hmm. the players don't like to do that. They, right. would, they like some stability in their lives. Right. So let's take it a step further. We talked about one game. Now they're going to be playing the Raiders at home. Right now they're 11.5-point favorites over the Raiders. The Raiders are a bad team coming from West Coast to East Coast. is never a good thing for those West Coast teams. Now, when you think about who they're going to be playing. Way, their, their coach and their quarterback yelled at each other three times during the game. Right, right. I mean, yelled at each other. And Gruden got in Derek Carr's face. And I'm sure Derek Carr was like, dude, have you seen our, our, our record? Uh, don't be yelling at me. Right. You're the coach of the team that's 2-9. and nine, Not me, you know. But, but they, they got into it. You know, they're, they're bringing turmoil east besides right. a bad record. Right, and, and they've they've sold out really for this season. They're, right. they're just looking at young guys, looking to see what they have for next season. So, conventional wisdom: Ravens win this game pretty easily. So now the Ravens are six and five. Because if they win easily, do they cover? Is the question? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, well, eleven and a half. I think they are going to cover. We're going right. to do predictions later, but but the thing is that I think that they go to six and five. Okay. And now the playoff talk is even higher at a higher decibel level. What happens if Joe's ready to go in Atlanta? What do you think happens? They're going to play Joe. I mean, I, 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 think that's, I think that's pretty much a given. They're playing Joe. Um, but I also think they're going to have to sprinkle more Lamar in. And here, here's my prediction, my official prediction. I think they're going to bring Lamar in and Joe will come off the field. We talked about this last week, mm-hmm. right? That at some point, you, and, and I'm... And I, Look, I get it. RG3 is a much different athlete than Joe. But you saw in one play the other day, maybe RG3 was just happy to get on the field. But he lined up to Lamar's right. He looked real happy. He (laughs) ran behind him. He sprinted. Right. Sprinted, then just kind of went to the bench, and somebody gave him a high five, and he was done. But he did it with some enthusiasm, right? I mean, he he carried out. Joe would never – first of all, I don't think they would ever say to Joe, do that. Because if Joe pulls his hamstring doing that – somehow gets involved in a play and gets injured, their $25 million quarterback's sitting on the bench. Right. Uh, RG3 isn't quite that valuable. But I think going forward, 
they will play Joe. I think it's a given. Joe will come back and be the quarterback. And honestly, they have to play Joe because I do think ultimately he's going to give them the best chance given their current configuration. He'll give them the best chance to steal one of those road games that they need. But I do think they're going to put Lamar in there. And Lamar's going to play 10 or 20 plays by himself. And I think they'll take Joe completely out of it. And they may give, John said something a couple weeks ago that was kind of cryptic in nature, but there was some truth to it. We're looking to put Lamar in for a series. And I'm sure Joe probably rolled his eyes and said, you know, over my broken hip, but they're going to put Lamar in for series by himself, I think. And it will cause teams to pause, to say, okay, what's our configuration? for? Because you know teams are going to plan for it. Defenses are definitely going to plan for the Lamar package, right? right? So I think you've got to go back to Joe, but, um, but you've got to get Jackson in there, and you've you got to you, you know, you, you throw as many of these pieces at other defenses, at these defenses as you can. You know, I want to pick up that conversation with the whole Joe thing and with Lamar, the, the combine package or the combination package, because I think it's a really interesting thought. So we're going to take a quick timeout. This is the primary residential mortgage armchair quarterback. We'll be right back. Yeah, what's up, everybody? It's Baltimore Ron here, and I am not coming at you this week from the big basement outside the best spot on Bel Air Road. No siree. You know why? Because I've been drunk since Sunday. We are 5-5 five and five and still alive with the playoff hopes. And after Sunday's game when Lamar went wild, running left, running right, running all day and night, I went out got myself two Two, not one, mind you, two cases of Schaefer. Ended up getting hammered drunk, told my Uber driver to take me to 34th Street, and here I am in the big city, on the Big Apple in New York. He took me to 34th and Broadway. Here I am, woke up on the park bench, and I got one of them damn Pikachus flying above me. That's where I am. So I'm at the Macy's Day Parade. Happy Thanksgiving to all you peeps and all the ships at sea. But now it's time to talk some football. Welcome back to the Primary Residential Mortgage Armchair Quarterback. I'm Tony Lombardi here with Drew Forster. Before we three went to for the, three, by the way, you are today. I'm, I'm smoking. With the Primary Residential. It must be the smoking. Dean's not here and you're not, you're <laughs> He's not nervous. Dean's not intimidating me. <laughs> Good. No, just kidding, Dean. <laughs> Anyway, before we went to break, we talked about how the Ravens might be able to mesh together an offense whereby Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco can both play prominent roles in the offense. So let's talk about that a little bit more. And to me, Drew, I think for that to happen, of course, it would, be, it would benefit the Ravens. But for it to happen, Joe Flacco's got to buy in. Sure. I mean, he's the incumbent, right? So they, right. they've got to be able to convince him. Um, and not in a cosmetic way, not like, Joe, just look like you're okay with it. They need Joe to buy in with his, with his heart. He's, they've, John's got to be able to say to him, Joe, do you really want to win? If you really, really want to win, you've got to understand this is going to give us the best chance. No disrespect to you. This, we took this kid. He's here. We, we don't, we don't have an option. I mean, sure, we could sit him out, but we've seen enough of his skill set to say we don't want to sit him out. This is why we picked him. So you've got to buy in, and you have to be willing to, to, to change a little bit. And, 
it's got to come from your heart. You know, you've got to want to do this because you're convinced we're right. We, meaning the staff, the coaches, the people who picked him. This kid can help us win. And if you really want to win, you've got to sign off on this. And if you don't, then we probably shouldn't have you. But can John have that conversation with Joe? Um, yeah. I, I think John can have that conversation with Joe if John believes that in his heart. And I, and I think he does. That's I think, a good question. I, right. I mean, again, this is all about, you know, it's easy for us to say this. You're getting $5 million a year. You're getting $20 million a year. You're going to buy in. You're going to buy in. The, 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 their salaries don't even become a discussion point about this, right? This is really more about the competitiveness uh, Joe saying, I don't need him on the field. I'm elite. I can win. I, I'll do it myself. I've been doing it. Look how good I've been, right? And then we can all start getting on Twitter and beating Joe up for that. But John's got to buy into it, too. And I think John does buy into it. I think he sees the 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 game-changing ability of Lamar. Game-changing in a good way. Eh, maybe even game-changing in a bad way. Good, you know. Lamar's going to make some mistakes. Good. He's going to run around and make things happen when he maybe should have thrown the ball to Willie Sneed. Good. But he's also going to, on third and six, going to get us eight yards because he scrambles out and gets the first down when Joe couldn't. Good. It's all to me about how an individual is wired and, and what has happened in his life on the, on the field, off the field, what he's been able to accomplish on and off the field, on the field actually you know, making being successful, off the field financially. And with Joe... You know, I looked at these stats uh, just this morning. Joe's made $147.8 million in his 11-year career. Now, Drew Brees has probably made By the way, Sanchez, Mark Sanchez has made $71 million. I want to come back to that. I want to come back to that. So, Drew That's Brees... That's why Joe says I'm underpaid. He's, <laughs> and he's right about that. Drew Brees probably has made as much as Joe. I didn't, right. I didn't look him up. But he buys into Taysom Hill... He buys into that. He's out there running hard. He's running through the place hard. He's selling. He's making the defense commit to him. But Joe just half-asses it out there. It's obvious through the body language he doesn't want to be out there doing that. So maybe it's just something in his DNA. Maybe it's something in his composition as a human being with all that money that leaves him with the feeling, I don't really need this anymore. Right. And, and, and the one difference, and I'm not suggesting you're wrong about Bree's appearing like he's buying in because it does appear like he's buying in the difference being that off the field when they're on the team bus so they go out to dinner and have a steak before the game breeze might bristle at it he might be chippy with his teammates about it he might call it high schoolish but the difference is he doesn't do that when the game is being played joe might bristle at it might make fun of it might go to breakfast with his guys on the team and have snark about it right. but then when the game starts he looks he looks like that there's the big difference right breeze might not really like it but sean payton's figured out a way to make breeze buy in now you know breeze is i don't i mean drew breeze doesn't need to win a super bowl to get to the hall of fame no question about that but payton may be really really ramming that into breeze you need one more of these you need one more of these Hey, we got to win another Super Bowl. We got to get you into Canton. Whereas Joe it, it isn't going to Canton, obviously, right? So Peyton does have a little bit of a carrot to dangle for Breeze. I don't. I, Breeze probably laughs and says, "Dude, I'm going anyway." He's but, going. but right. But Peyton does have that to drive in, and I think Breeze is a competitor. I think a lot of things about him are different than Joe. 
Breeze has always been small. He's always been sort of, he probably has always been looked down upon, not no pun intended, as if this guy's not going to really beat us. He's always improved. He? So. Right. Whereas Joe, all of his middle school baseball and basketball and football teams won. He, he, went to, he went to high school. They were always really, really good. What jarred Joe, I think, and what probably shaped him a lot as a professional was what happened to him at Pitt. I bet you if you had a couple glasses of wine with Joe and you ask him this, the incident at Pitt really, really changed him. It was the first time someone ever said to Joe, you know what, you're not good enough. But wouldn't that change him to the point where he'd be a little bit more feisty? No, I think what it did was it made, it did, it did. So wait a minute, yes, you're right, it did. It got him to go to Delaware. It got him to say, I'll show you. It got him to be really good at Delaware. It got him into the NFL. It got him to say, I'm going to be really good at this. And I'm not suggesting that $147 million changed him, but I think once they won, and once he was the MVP and he was elite, mm-hmm. and he got the check, I think Joe said, how's it going there, Pitt? How you guys doing? And, you know, again, I'm not saying that he's jaked it by any means, but I just think this is the, it's a natural kind of progression. And I think the thing at Pitt was the first time in his life that Joe was ever told, you're not good enough. Because of all the other moments in his life, from the time he was 8 to the time he was 16 or 18, he was the tallest, the best, the most athletic. He had it all. And now things are changing. Now right. they've invested a first-round pick in Lamar Jackson, and he's got to determine... It's the second time now that they've said, you know what, Joe, you might not be good enough anymore. And we'll see how he responds. Right. So, you mentioned Mark Sanchez. He's back now with the Redskins. I didn't even know he still played football. I didn't even know Colt McCoy. Did he ever? (laughs) The other day when the thing came across the bottom of the screen and it said McCoy, 5 for 8, you know, 61 yards, I'm like, I know that's, uh, who's McCoy? And I said to myself, my computer on my lap, I'm like, I know it's not Colt McCoy. And I thought I followed football. Like, who's the McCoy, Right. right? And I looked it up, and I'm like, holy hell, Colt McCoy. I thought he was 40. You know, Colt McCoy's like 32 or whatever. No, no, McCoy he is, was right? Colt McCoy. And, and Sanchez, I had zero idea he was still in the league. I mean, I just assumed he was long gone somewhere, modeling or something. $4.2 million in 10 seasons, Mark Sanchez. It's played. an unbelievable country. You know what's even crazier? <laughs> I looked up Sam Bradford. 120. 130 million in nine seasons. But at least Sam Bradford had some moments. I guess, well, Sanchez did too, right? I mean, the Jets did go to the FC Championship game. Right. I mean, he had some moments too. I mean, those are good comparisons. I don't know. But, I mean, it's just sort of laughable, right? These well, guys when I think of Mark Sanchez, there's two things I think of. Butt fumble for the sure. The butt fumble for, for one. The second thing is, during, I think, the AFC Championship game, it was really cold, and Mark Brunel was the, the, the backup quarterback. There's video that you can find on YouTube of him rubbing, rubbing a booger on on. Brunel. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's how I remember that, Sanchez. That's great. Right. Seventy-four point two million dollars for that. I'm gonna remember him for the seventy-four point two. That's a, it's a great country. So we talked off the air about something that bothers both of us, and that is, MT Bank Stadium. Things are changing in MT Bank Stadium, and it's not for the better. And the Ravens are really struggling to put people in the seats these days. My eyeball test said 15,000 at least were not there in attendance against the Bengals. This is a meaningful game, a game that's a do-or-die game, and there's 15,000 empty seats. I can think back to 2002. There's a little more than that, actually. Okay, but we can about, about 18,000. So, so 2002, I can remember them, they busted up the team because of the salary cap purge, and they were a competitive team, sold out all the time. 2005, a bad season. 2007, a bad season. Never empty seats in the house. 
a lot's changed, and I think the their fan base is changing too. I think Sunday was a was a really sort of like the halcyon moment, if you will, for this topic. Um, there was no. There were other shows can say there, there were there were no there were no objections that you could create on Sunday. Had team hadn't been around in a couple of weeks, there was an, a, a thirst to go to the game. Weather was decent. Weather was good, actually, right? It's kind of like, for someone like me, sort of kind of perfect football weather. I really don't like going when it's 25, to be honest with you. I'm an old guy now, I don't like doing it, and I don't like going when it's 85, correct. But I'll go when it's 50. So Sunday was a really good day. Mm -hmm. Bengals are a fair to good draw. They're a divisional opponent. People know them. Um, The last time they came in there, they beat us on the last play of the game. And, you know, so there's... There was nothing about Sunday. You could make an objection about this Sunday. Hey, Tony, you want to go to the game Sunday? Oh, I can't. My wife and I are going away for the Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, okay. Right? You can make that objection. That's the Raiders. Ugh, I don't know. But And they had a starting quarterback coming in on Sunday that we all sort of knew was going to be Lamar. There was a little bit of conjecture. It could have been RG3, but I think we all knew it was going to be Lamar. What happened Sunday was one of the most telling things about this issue that – 18,000 or so, as I was told, 18,000 people elected not to come to the game. And they, last week, had ticket packs, four-game ticket pack, albeit not great opponents. They were selling a four-pack of Bengals, um, Raiders, Bucks, and Browns. Not exactly. And let's put 18,000 in perspective. That's 25% right. of capacity. Right. That just said, I think I'll pass. I went online. I wrote about this at uh, Drew's Morning Dish on Tuesday. I went online Sunday just as a lark to look at the ticket prices at 9.30, getting ready to go to 10.15 Mass. I got on my computer real quick. I looked. 9.30, you could have gotten a lower deck seat for $45 and an upper deck seat for $24. Wow. And, and you're, remember, you're not, even getting, you're, you're, you're not even getting all 45 of that. You've sold the ticket for 45 but you're getting 30 and the secondary market's getting 15 of it, right? So people are just sort of giving them away in mass, if you will, to try to get something for them. Um, and even then, people are, aren't going. Um, I don't think this is a Ravens-only problem by any means. I don't think this is just happening in Baltimore. Do I think winning would help? Sure. If the team's 6-3 and three or 7-2 and two and the Bengals are coming in, would it make a difference? Yeah, I think it would make a difference. Um, if that would have been the Steelers on Sunday in those perfect conditions, would it have made a difference? Yeah, maybe. But I don't think it would have made, it wouldn't have been every seat in the house wouldn't have been filled. And I think they're going through a significant transformation in the generations of people that are going. Mm-hmm. You and I aren't going anymore. We're just not. Um, people, and when I say that, I don't mean, I mean, you're still going to go to a game or two or three, or I'm going to go to a game, but I'm talking about as an invested, hey, Drew, what are you doing Sunday morning? Meet us at 930. We're going to party. We're going to tailgate. We're going to go to the game. Uh, we can't wait to see you. we got 12 did, people. Did that for umpteen years. Right. You're not doing it anymore because you're older and you got other stuff going on, right? right? And you're, 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 it, it's, it's still important to you. We're sitting here talking about it for an hour. The Ravens are still very important to all of us, but... Getting in your vehicle at 9 o'clock, and in a lot of cases, telling your wife and kids, um, I'll see you tonight at 6, it doesn't work. Yeah. It worked when you were 26, and you were down there trying to find a wife. 
It worked, right? But it doesn't work when you're 45 or 55 and, and you got to get up the next day and you know that you can just sit in front of your beautiful television and, and this $3,000, dollars $5,000 investment you've made in your basement and the beer's you know, $1.50 instead of 5 and you go up and make yourself some food. It's just changed a lot. And I don't think, I certainly don't think the Ravens have done this intentionally by any means. But I don't think they've changed quickly enough. They've lost our group of people. I know there'll be some people talking about the kneeling. I get it. I do think if this was a pizza, there's a slice that's dedicated to the kneeling. There's Of those 18,000 that weren't there on Sunday, you know, X amount of those people aren't there because they're still mad about the kneeling thing. Um, do I think that's right? Uh, probably not. I get it that you're not happy, but if you're not going to the games because of that, I, I, I would ask you, what do you think the team should do? What, what, we're a year removed from that, and you're still not going. What, what, where have they failed you? So, well, f- from my perspective as a fan, and the kneeling thing, I, it was a one-time thing. I think the Ravens explained it. A lot of people want an apology, but that's a really difficult thing. To they're do. not apologizing and, 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 and running, their play, running over their players. Exactly. They're just not, so you can forget that. And I think the people that want them... And by the way, I didn't like it. I was there. I didn't like it, for sure. I thought it was very disrespectful. But it hasn't, in any way, it has not changed my fandom for the organization. And I'm a unique... I offer probably a unique perspective because I wasn't a ticket buyer before. I'm a per-game guy. I have friends that have tickets. I They call me, you want to go? You want to bring Ethan? Do you want to go? Yeah, no, I got a golf thing. I can't do it. Yeah, I want to go. Uh, so I'm, I'm not exactly representative of their issue because I wasn't buying before. Right. But I'm, I'm not any less or more predisposed to buying a ticket now because of what happened in London. And I didn't like it, for sure. Well, there's for, no question about that. For me, it's a question of, I've been there, I've done that thousands of times. I had a great time doing it, but now I have a better time not dealing with the hassles of parking, not having to deal with the traffic in and out, not having to deal with the concession prices and and all those things. And quite frankly, I see a whole lot more in this brand new TV I have. Two words. You're older, right? Well, that's I mean, that's, I'm, I'm telling you, we're we're, we're like you said before. They we, haven't done the things to try to embrace that crowd. I think with the stadium, they need to make that a destination. They need to make it so exciting. Even when the things on the field aren't going well, how do you do that? That's up to multimedia guys. But I, I think they've got all the firepower in the world with their sound system and with those video boards to really make it exciting. I've been to other stadiums that have half of that equipment and they make it far more exciting so they think they need to look at that to make it say I have to be at the game for this this reason because I want to see this now they used to have that with Ray Lewis how many people did you hear before say oh, I can't miss Ray well, you, coming through the tunnel you just touched on what I think and I've had this conversation with a lot of my friends um, you just touched on probably the most significant missing piece in my opinion um, and it 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 does, it does involve Ray because he was the icon. You could throw Reed in there, too, right. those two guys. Um, they have failed to generate another one of those kind of players. Um, I, you can't do that artificially, right? It has to be um, organic. It has to kind of grow, right? Um, but they've failed. The, the, the Ravens' most 
prominent, popular. If, if he walked through the mall today, more people in this city are going to know Justin Tucker than any other player, with maybe the exception of Flacco, because he's been marketed well, right? But if Joe goes away, Justin Tucker is the most recognizable face of the team. And that's he's the up. field goal kicker, or he's yeah. the kicker. Um, well, it wasn't this week. It's and, Kyle Bowler. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Bowler, right. Way to go, Bruce. Good. Um, no, but it, it, it's, they've, some of this is about Ray. Ray, and, and in fairness, John hasn't won anything since Ray and Ed Reed left. He hasn't won anything. And that's more of a testament to those two than it is to John. I'm just saying, those two guys were so iconic they just come along every, you know, 15, 20 years. And the Ravens, I think, have really been hurt by that. Um, I think you'll find Pittsburgh will suffer the same thing when Roethlisberger's gone. As much, as maligned as he is up there, I think those people are pretty smart. The, that dude's carried your franchise for 17 years, 16 years, right? He, you, you've been really, really good because of that guy. And when Roethlisberger leaves, they're going to find out. Watch and see. When that kid's gone, you watch what the Steelers do. It's not going to be the same. And you look around the league, the same thing with Green Bay, right? Their most identifiable player for sure is Rodgers. And when he's gone, they're going, to, it's going to, they're going to drop off. And I don't mean drop off just necessarily on the field. I mean the whole product suffers when you don't have these magnetic athletes and players and personalities. All you got to do is look around the NBA. It's all they do in the NBA. That's all they do. They just market magnetic, iconic personalities, right? Everybody laughed about the Lakers pulling up the Brinks truck for LeBron. I hadn't heard about the Lakers for four years until this year. And now every night when LeBron plays, he's on the front page. Think about the teams that played on Monday night, that 54-51 game, crazy. If there was ever a case in point the NFL is changing, that was it. But look at those two teams. They have these electric kind of high-flying, showtime, you mentioned the Lakers, mm -hmm. kind of players, you know, on, on both sides of the ball. And they had the L.A. Coliseum. What does it hold, 100,000 people? Um, yeah, I think. I mean, it's in that range. They said sure. it was sold out yeah, last yeah, yeah. night. Right, sold and, out because they gave a lot of the seats away, but, but fair enough. It, in it, L.A. It was capacity, like right. It was capacity, right. So... That says that it's possible, but you got to morph your team into something else other than the most exciting player being your kicker. Right. And, that, and, and again, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that the Ravens haven't done this to themselves because you've got to have a, you, you know, it is, it's organic. It, it needs to grow. But they've definitely felt the impact of those guys leaving, and really in particular, Ray. And I can remember being on the radio in 2012 when Ray was kind of winding down and he announced, you know, this is my final ride and all that. And I can remember specifically going on the air and saying to people, not to toot my own horn six years later, but I can remember saying to people, you guys are going to rue the day that this guy's gone. You, you have no idea how much you're going to miss this guy. And in every facet of the organization, not just on the field, although I think there's a big component that they've missed him on the field and 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 Reed. Um but that's, in that's every mega leadership between those two. Humongous. And takes a little bit of the heat off the coach, right? Because you know you can always go to Ray. And, get, and, and you, you don't even have to go to Ray. Ray's good enough to do it himself. I got this, Harbs. I'll take care of it. Don't, right. don't worry, right? 
And um, I think Joe tried to do that a little bit. You know, they had the famous incident after the Houston game where they got lit up on that Monday night where um, Pollard, ironically enough, started mouthing off about the offense in the meeting the next morning. And Joe stood up and said, dude, you guys gave up 44 points. Let's go practice. Remember, they, the, the, scene, the scene was they didn't want to practice in pads. John said, we're going to practice in pads. And Pollard said, we, uh, why are we practicing in pads? We only need to practice. You know, Pollard objected. And Joe said, dude, you guys gave up 44 points last night. we got to go practice. Let's go. So Joe, I think over the years, maybe has tried to do it, but it doesn't fit his personality. Right. It just doesn't, right? It fits Brady's personality. No, it, fit, he, it, it, it fits Roethlisberger's personality. It fits Brady's personality. It just doesn't fit Joe's personality. Given this topic of discussion and the lack of playmakers and exciting players, do you think that's why the Ravens jumped up in the first round and grabbed Lamar Jackson? Um, maybe. Sure. I mean, they definitely, and this, I said this at the very outset today, we talked about this, they either forced or sort of just arbitrarily, they're going to have to change the way they do things. The league's changing, and they're going to have to change with it. By the way, they might still only win 9, 10, or 11 games. I don't know that this is going to be a 13-win team. Those are hard to come by. But I think they might be a 9, 10, or 11-win team that's exciting. And if you looked at Monday night and you watched Monday night, now, granted, most teams in the league are looking at the game going, oh, my Lord, well, I wish we could do that. But when you watch it in Baltimore, what you saw on Monday night, I mean, I watched that and I'm like, we couldn't come close to touching They're playing that. a different game. Correct. The They're playing chess. We're playing checkers. Right. Like, we can't come close to this. And yet, when you look at their the, um, the Rams' best receiver is not even on the team anymore. He's on the DL for the rest of the year. Right. Um, the, uh, what's the kid's name last night who missed a, a quarter? Um, the other receiver, Cooks. They're just trotting guys out there with speed and throwing the ball. You don't know who they are, right? You're like, oh, there's another new guy. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, the Ravens might have taken Jackson with an eye towards, hey, this is going to unsettle us for a year, and we're going to face some difficult situations, and there might come a time when we've got to make a choice between Joe and Lamar. Um, but we'll, we'll roll with it, and we'll take, we'll take a chance. And we know the one thing that Lamar has that's non-negotiable is speed. Can't teach it. Can't teach can't, it. Can't, even Marty can't screw that up, I don't think. <laughs> he still does his best. Although next year it would be funny if we go, you know, Lamar's lost uh, two-tenths of a second off his uh, 40. That's uh, Marty. Marty. <laughs> All right, got to wrap things up. we got two more topics to hit on. Prediction for Sunday. Let me back it no, up. Let's, let's do the, the come on man first. Okay. Come on, come on man. Um, uh, okay. I mean, I... I I actually I have one. We've already talked about it. Yeah, you, I'd have to think it through a little bit more. My biggest come on man is the just the way that they managed the end of the first half. Clock. Uh, it, yeah. it, 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 when you have the ball and you're trying to score, you can stop the clock, right? When the other team has the ball, you can only stop it by calling timeouts. Correct. So when the other team Rules has it, regarding that. when the other team has it and you want to get it back, because you know the other team has it half the time basically, and you can't just keep calling timeouts. But at the end of the half, with a minute fifty to go, and the other team has the ball, you can't cash them in at halftime. 
So when the other team has the ball, call a timeout if you think you can get it back. Right. When it's then you just stopped them. It's now third and ten. It's probably a good time for a timeout. Right. So so and yet they still wiggled their way out of that, right? Yeah. But that's my come on, man. Like, and I keep saying this over and over and over. I am a John fan, but he, he, it's it's getting worse. And I'll tell you who did it the other day. Um, Gruden did it in D.C. He did the same thing. He didn't use timeouts when they were on offense and got down the two-minute warning, and then all hell broke loose, and they scrambled around to try to kick the game-winning field goal. And after the game, they were asked about it, and he basically said, because this is the way we do it. These, it's remarkable to me that these coaches haven't figured this out. You can't stop the clock when you are on defense unless you call a timeout. As they Come say, on, man. It's a simple ball it, it, It's unbelievable. <laughs> So my come on, man, Detroit, okay. hosting the Carolina Panthers. Okay. Panthers roll right down the field their first possession, 7 nothing, real quickly. Detroit gets back in the game. End of the game, Cam Newton does his thing, gets the momentum going again, and they look to tie it. It's 20-13. to 13. They score a touchdown to make it 20-19. to 20-19. to 19. There's a minute left to go in the game. Right. They got momentum. But what is it with these coaches... And all these gambles they want to take. They want to go for fourth and one. Riverboat Ron, right? Riverboat right. Ron <laughs> steps up. And he said, we're not going to kick the extra point. We're going to go for two. Right. And we know what happened. Now, this is a 6-3 and three team it's different playing a 3-6 and six team. Right. And it's different not to spoil your come on, man. It's different because you can you do that to me. Drew, come on, man. Let me do my thing. <laughs> now, I'll be the come on, man next week. Shut up already. Um, it's different if there's six seconds left in the game. Six seconds left, you say, boys, what do you want to do? You want to try to win this now, you're on a plane and go home, or you want to roll the dice? I think a lot of the guys would say, let's roll the dice, and let's go for it. But when there's a minute left in the game, even if you make it, the other team's going to get the ball. They could just go right down the field. And they've got a guy and still, sling it. You know? Right, and it's indoors, and if they get to the 42-yard line, they got a chance with a 58, 59-yard field goal. Which Prater, he's a great he's a really Yeah, good I mean, it made no sense based on the moment. It's one thing if it's 10 seconds left in the game. But even if you make it to go up 21-20, they're still going to get the ball and come back down the field, potentially. Come on, man. What are you doing for Come on, man. Sorry. Predictions for Sunday. Look, I mean, it would be stunning almost if Oakland came in here and won, right? There's nothing – there. everything about it from a schematic standpoint favors the Ravens. Oakland's terrible against the run. The Ravens just gashed the Bengals, who are also terrible, and you would assume that the Ravens are just going to run the ball right at Oakland and pretty much just follow the same game plan they just followed with the Bengals, with maybe a couple of variations to keep them off balance because Oakland now has a week of – or a game full of – video to watch um i you know i oakland when lafell is out now so that hurts their chances because at least he had that was one weapon that Carr could use um you know 30 to 30 to 17 ravens i i, I don't think it's going to be close and by the way if it's 30 17 they cover <laughs> 11 and a half point line. I, I think it's it's not close. If and 13 is not close. It's not close. Yeah, you know, I, I look back to games in the past with the Ravens, with teams like the Raiders coming in, teams that they should just whoop. And I think against the line, the Ravens haven't done very well this year. So I'm going to go with a little bit of a surprise. Not to say that the Raiders are going to win, but I don't okay. think they're, I don't think the Ravens cover this. I think it's going to be much like this game against the Bengals, a little bit more or a little too close for comfort. I think that Carr makes a couple of plays, 
because the Ravens haven't been able to get to the quarterback this over the last four games. We had three sacks. Mm-hmm. I think he'll make a few plays, but in the in the end, I think the Ravens pull it out. My best prediction, I think, will be that Michael Crabtree. Oh, gets, you know he gets the ball on the uh, very first play. Oh, no doubt, he is going to be so fired up. Because Johnny said, "Let's just keep him quiet right, right. away." Oh, he can't. Uh, you know, he can't wait to score and spin it and make a phone call and uh, to do all. You know, he's got seven celebrations planned for the one touchdown. And, and walk by John Gruden and say uh, something. By nice. the way, I know we got to run. Have you seen? Are you a dead spin reader at all or no? A little bit. Yeah. Okay, so all year, dead spin has been featuring. On almost a weekly basis, they've been featuring John Gruden. Do you know the story? No, you know what no. they've done? Okay. So at the beginning of the season, they ran a piece about John Gruden uh, saying something stupid about the season. And, you know, we might win the Super Bowl or something dumb. And his face was normal. N- normal complexion. Right. The next week, they ran a story about Gruden and something else he said in a press conference. And it doesn't matter that we lost. We're, we're making improvements. And his face was just a, marginally more red. You, you probably didn't notice it the first week. Then the next week, he said something else stupid again. They got beat 48-7. to seven, And Gruden said, don't count us out yet. And his face got a little more red. And every week since then... <laughs> So now his face is absolutely candy apple red. <laughs> they do it every week. <laughs> and and, and I don't think a lot, I don't think a lot of people have picked up on it. It's a very subtle that spins very much a coin flip these days. They're either really good or terrible. And they're and politically they're they lean very, very blue. Um, which is just their thing, right? But this is really good. And they've made him now into this screaming, they've got a Gruden face and it's candy apple red. <laughs> It's pretty funny. <laughs> well, I, I did see something. I think it'll be Candy Apple Red on Sunday too when they get beat. I saw something on Deadspin on their Twitter account today about Marshall Yond and the spitting, and that's a whole another topic for another day. But you know, spitting on Yond's yeah, right, perfect, right, which right. is BS. But right. Anyway, so perfect. Actually, perfect. I mean, this is unbelievable that he would complain about something. Yeah. Like right? it, it's unbelievable that Perfect would say, "I got spit on." Dude, have you watched yourself? That's actually a good come on, man. Like, have you watched sure, that, yourself? That is the best couple You on, are a menace. You are a headhunting menace. And a guy spit on you? Really? And you're going to complain about a guy spitting on you? Like, come on, man. <laughs> My God. And on that note. Yep. Good. <laughs> we're going to wrap up. Yeah, I got spit on. Primary residential mortgage armchair quarterback. Four for four, Drew. Good job. Good. See ya.